Welcome to Fresh Off the Set. I'm Carrie Hawker-Diaz. And I'm David Osmond. And I'm Alora Murray. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Okay, today's podcast is definitely an important one. We are talking about social media world we live in with our children, the harms. Um, I sat down with Amy Winder Newton. She's the director of the Office of Families about the state of Utah's new campaign, The Harms of Social Media. Oof. What do you guys think? This is a heavy topic, Ooh. guys. And, and one that I think comes up in conversation at least every week. Yeah. Uh, multiple times a week with different uh, circles that I run in. It, it's it's a problem for everybody and something that we're all facing. So we're trying to figure out, okay, how can we do this? I'm, I'm anxious to hear what she has to say, especially coming from the from a legislature and, and governing body, what they're going to be able to, to do without being too invasive and allowing the freedom, but, mm-hmm. but also helping to direct and carve a path because these kids and kids of all ages, right. adults are just as addicted. You know, you walk, drive down the I-15, you can see people on their dang Instagram you know, reading driving their car, TikTok, watching stuff. It's insane. It's an addictive thing. And especially when there's these multiple young minds that are being exposed to things that are extremely dangerous right. and, and, and things that maybe parents don't want them seeing or communicating with it. It changes the atmosphere of their whole childhood. Sure. Um, it really quickly. does. So it, it, it is, it is a blessing and it is such a curse. And sure. I think you said that perfectly. It, there's so many great things to social media. Like I can connect like I, some of my best friends live in England and social media helps me connect to them easier and family that's not close to me. And there's so many, so much good. But I remember when it first came out, I had issues with it. That comparison game that um, they're here. Should I be there? Right. Um, they're friends with this person. Like this person unfollowed me. And I remember being adult, an adult and that being a little hard to deal right. with and navigating this world. And I feel so bad sometimes for these kids who are like, maybe you're home alone on a Friday night and you see that your friends are out there at a party you weren't invited to, or someone is being mean and yeah. just has this, they're behind a screen and they feel like they can say anything. Like mm-hmm. there are just so many things that these kids are dealing with that I never dealt with as a child yeah. that I just, I feel so bad for them. And I mean, kids are resilient. They really are. But some of the stuff they deal with social media, I feel so bad. But yet I, I worry at the same time. It's like this twofold thing. There's the bullying. There's the, the, the exposure to content that is mm-hmm. just you know, horrific and damaging and, and changes their you know, mental capacities. They're growing and learning. And then there's also the, the dangers of, of those that are out there trying to, to get in touch with our kids that shouldn't be in touch with them. Oh, I mean, yeah. th- my buddy, the late, great Colin Karchner talked about it. He said, oh, we love is- Colin. He'd been oh, on the gosh. show multiple times. Yeah. He, you know, his whole big thing was, of course, you know, smartphones are dumb. Like, don't do it. You hand, you're handing a snake, a rattlesnake to your child. It's going to bite them. Right. When do you want it, them to be bitten? It's like, just don't do it. I mean, there's ways to put regulations around it. And, and I think for all of us, we need to really control how we spend our time, how, how, how productive we are, yeah. utilizing that power of social media and connectedness mm-hmm. for good. We're more connected than ever and more disconnected. So oh, absolutely. If it's we can true. find ways to focus on utilizing it for positivity, great. But man, it, it is a hard conversation. I'm, I'm anxious to hear what, what Amy has to say. About yeah, it. it is. It's a tough conversation. And she is a parent herself. So she talks about um, what she's done with her own children. Um, she has some really good advice. This is a good Love one. Um, what you can do uh, to help protect them because they are our world. There are yeah. kids. You know, we got to do everything for them that we can. So uh, should we give a listen? Let's yeah. do it. Okay.
I am really excited to have this conversation today with Amy Winter Newton. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. We're we're always happy when we can talk about how to keep our kids safe. I mean, so these are the you. important conversations to have, right? Absolutely. Okay, let's dive into it. Give us an overview of this new campaign that the governor launched. What is it? Well, so to, to back up a little bit, just over a year ago, the governor started talking about his concerns with our kids and their mental health. And one of the big drivers of that concern is social media. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the data from 2010 when social media became a thing until now, self-harm, anxiety, depression, like all of these issues with mental health have just skyrocketed. And so this has been a big priority of the governor's. And we started with some legislation this last year. um, And then he announced that he wanted to do a campaign to warn parents of the harms of social media for their kids. And so that's what this campaign is, is it's our attempt to be able to help parents understand what the effect on social media is for their children. Yeah, sure. I think we've all felt this for a long time, you know, worried about our kids and the effects that social media have. I was in high school in the 90s, and so I didn't have any of this. And I have a six-year-old daughter, and I I worry about her future, um, as I know many parents do, and, and they're sitting there and they have teens right now thinking, what do we do? You know, do we take it away? Do we, there, there's so many, there's so many elements and so many levels to this. What, what is the goal of the campaign? Well, we want parents to understand why this is harmful. And, and honestly, the goal is to help give parents the tools they need and help them be brave and bold in reconsidering social media for their kids. I mean, that really is ultimately what we are hoping will happen because at the end of the day, you know, I've seen some surveys where parents want government to come in and solve this. And, mm-hmm. and we're trying, I mean, we're putting guardrails in place. In fact, um, everything from suing social media companies to the legislation, but at the end of the day, we need parents to step up and it's hard. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I feel like I'm fairly technologically adept and I even think it's hard to stay on top of this for kid for your kids. And so um, we need we need parents to be brave and bold and maybe be willing to say to their kids like, hey, not yet, you're not old enough for social media or let's find a different way that you can look at it without it being on your device. Sure. Um, So that's what we need. Sure, yes. Um, Let's talk stats. How are mental health issues among kids affected by social media use? What are we seeing? Well, so nationally, the stats are really interesting. And we've got this on our website, socialharms.utah.gov, because we wanted to provide resources for parents. But um, teens who spend more than three hours per day on social media face double the risk um, of mental health outcomes. Three or more hours. Yeah. I mean, your risk of mental health outcomes and mental health issues just skyrockets with that. Wow. Um, Nearly half of teens ages 13 to 17 say using social media makes them feel worse yeah. Um, almost 60% of teenage girls say they've been contacted by a stranger on a social media platform in ways that made them feel uncomfortable. I mean, we're putting kids out there with predators and, you know, issues with sextortion and all of these other things. And it's hard enough for adults to manage social media. So now sure. we're expecting our kids to do it. Um, more than 60% of teens are regularly exposed to hate-based content. Mm. Um, so those are just some of the national stats in Utah. We're finding through our sharp survey, which is a great way for us to get information about what's in a, a, the brain of a teen and, and kind of how to look at the data overall as a state. 
And we have 18% of Utah youth who seriously considered suicide over the past year. Um, 32.5% of Utah youth felt sad or hopeless for two weeks or more in a row during the past year. Um, Only 37% of Utah youth got at least eight hours of sleep on an average school night. I mean, that means 63% of our kids are not getting enough sleep, which that drastically affects learning, mental health. I mean, so many things there, right? Amy, I didn't even think about that part of it because I'm thinking like, okay, you're on apps, you're on things that are dangerous for you, of course, like during the day, but you're not sleeping because you're sitting on your phone until however long during the night, first thing you do when you wake up. So it's affecting our sleep. Yeah. That's one thing that we did when we have, so our kids are young adults now, so they're all, all over 18, but when they were teens, we'd have them check their phone into our bedroom at night to plug it in. Like we'd have their charging cords right there. So I could see as I went to bed, you know, walk past and see everybody's phones there. We did have one kid at one point try to fool us by just putting his phone case Mm. and attaching the little cord to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, luckily we're smart enough to have caught that. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) She saw that coming. You know, I mean, that's huge. If parents can start there, Get those phones in your bedroom so you can see that they're there because some kids, like you put them in the kitchen, those kids will sneak back to the kitchen and grab their phones. They are so addicted and they don't want to miss out, but there's something so good for them to have a break from their phones. Sure. We almost need someone. I sometimes feel like I need that. Someone to take my phone away from me. I agree. So I I understand that. So get this 53. This is a Utah stat. 53% of female high school students had persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. That's a 53, 53%. That's a 61% increase since 2009 when social media became um, big. So it's, it's, I mean, this, the data is so clear on this. Like mm-hmm. we have to do something. We need parents to step up. Yeah. We're not only feeling this, we're now seeing the yes, numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what do you think personally of all of these stats? Um, I think they're so disturbing. I look at the, the state and, and the number of kids who are experiencing mental health crises and we're doing so much as a state. I mean, everything from receiving centers to, Uh, mobile crisis outreach teams to the 988 number. You know, we have all of these things. We are lacking staff. We do not have enough mental health professionals to fix all of our problems here in the state. And so what this comes down to is we've got to look proactively at how do we prevent mental health issues. And we know social media is a huge driver of mental health issues for teens and for children. And so this is something that we've got to tackle on the front end because you know, you're, you're exposing your kids to so many things that they aren't ready for. Mm-hmm. And, and the addictive algorithms that the social media companies have is making it hard for these kids to say no. And yet they know in their hearts, they know this isn't good for them. I mean, when we ask teens, the governor, as he's gone around the state this last year and visited high schools, he asks them, they know it's not good for them, but it's so tied to their social network that it's hard for them to to pull away they need help they need support from parents and teachers and other adults in their life they need a community they to do help them yeah um, what is your role personally in this campaign Amy so I was um, so I am the governor's I'm a senior advisor to Governor Cox and I'm the director of the Office of Families so, which is a new initiative that he started last year. I'm so excited about this, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and, and my whole goal in this, I mean, I'm a one-person office right now, so it's not like we have a lot of staff and everything, but 
Um, my charge is to look at upstream proactive policies to strengthen families so we get better outcomes for our kids. We want to do the proactive upstream piece. We want to look at what policies need to change so that we can help families and not have to pay for all of these fixes later on when we have things that, that aren't helpful for children and adults. So um, so that's wh- where I got involved. This is one of the governor's big initiatives, and so I've been able to be involved in this. And um, we're working with the Department of Commerce. Um, they are the ones who are regulating social media companies and the Department of Health and Human Services. Obviously, they have a, a deep care for um, mental health in their role. And so it's been a great partnership to work with all of us on this campaign. Oh, so good. So good. We have this going. How, how long did you say it's been going? So, yeah, well, we started it in um, the, just this last fall, and it'll be going until the spring. Okay. So, yeah, so about, nine mo- about a nine-month campaign. How do you think this campaign will help kids specifically, how it will help educators also and caregivers and parents? Well, I mean, again, you know, we need them to understand the stats. We need parents and caregivers to understand the statistics. Um, We'd love to have our school officials recognize what an issue this is and be willing to be brave and say, hey, we're not going to have cell phones in the classroom anymore. That's something else the governor cares deeply about. I was shocked. So I have a six-year-old. She does not have a phone. We are not planning on getting her one for a very, very, very long time. But I was shocked to know that those rules don't exist. Yeah. In schools. Yeah. I don't know if it's... I mean, some schools do. So so they leave it up to the individual schools and school districts. And we have some schools that are like, no, we're not doing cell phones in classrooms. And there's even some um, Evergreen Junior High and Granite School District. They haven't... They don't allow cell phones in the school at all. So it's great to have them out of the classroom because it's so distracting for kids to even have them on their person. Yeah. Um, but then to not have a, but then they leave the classroom and they're, they're glued to their phone as they're walking down the halls or at lunch. What that's have, what's that, the effect of that with human connection and their ability to make friends, like that's affecting them too. Just keeping their like phone in their bag yeah, in the so lockers. Keep it in your bag or in your locker. Don't bring it at all, whatever. Um, but you know, one of the hard things about this is we have parents who are throwing a fit about, well, I need to be able to get a hold of my kid. And you know, I, I think back to when we were in school, like, hello, your mom would just call the office and they'd go grab you. If oh, yeah. You knew you were in trouble, like, too. Like, <laughs> if you need your mom to text in the middle of your history class to ask what size of pants you wear because she's out shopping, like, come on, parents. Yeah. we got to do better. I feel like that's on the, the parents' totally, side. So that's totally. what you're seeing from parents with yeah. these rules is they want to be able to get a hold of their kids. Some that's of the parents saying. have pushed okay. back. Others in, in school communities that have just kind of embraced this culture the kids are thriving. I mean, their test scores are increasing. Um, they're probably happier. They're happier. Like, it is so good for them. But we've got to get parents past that hurdle of being worried about having, you know, being able to get a hold of their kids at a moment's notice. And it, it's it's hard. So we hope that our community councils get involved, our school administrators, and that they can sit down and say, what do we want as a community? Sure. And what do we want to do? But yeah, that's a huge issue as well. How have you seen so far this campaign make a difference for children and adults? We talked about that just a little bit, but. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we, are, we actually did a survey before we started the campaign to see what, how parents felt about the legislation, how they feel about their kids on social media, what they know about it. And we're going to do one at the end too to just see how that's changed. So more to come on that. 
Um, but I will tell you, we've had people from around the country contact us in Utah because they they know Utah's leading out on the social media movement. That's so impressive. Yeah, so it's cool. Everything from our legislation, we are the first state to take a strong stand legislatively. I was on, just going to ask you, is that. this nationwide? Are we seeing like in our just our state, we're starting to do this? Well, it's it's nationally and internationally. I mean, you've got some countries now who are looking at banning cell phones in schools who are already doing things. I mean, some of them are ahead of us on on the things that they're doing to put guardrails in place. One of the reasons that Utah and our legislative leaders want to lead out on this is because they know Congress needs to ultimately do something. Mm-hmm. We've got to have, it, it's far easier for there to be a national um, rule in place for social media companies than to have each state have their own. That's, that's tough. And so, you know, we hope that this gives, it's, it has definitely given other states the courage to do the same thing. And so you've, we've started seeing over this past year, other states step up and do things as well. But it's pretty cool. In Utah, we lead and, um, you know, we, we care about our kids and we have more kids per capita we have than a lot most of, of our states. So we've <laughs> got to have this as a priority. Yeah. And even our Surgeon General, the U.S. Surgeon General came out and said, social media is not safe for kids. So this isn't just something we've made up here in our state. It's not like, something we're just feeling. The data is clear. Yeah. yeah. The U.S. Surgeon General's come out and said this is a problem. So, and, and we're excited to be proactive about this. And to lead the way. Yep. How, what are you hearing about parents and social media, how they're feeling about it? Well, we, when I've looked at the different data sets showing how parents feel about it, they know it's a problem. 88% know that social media is affecting. Yes. percent They know that there's some sort of detrimental effect on their children's mental health when okay. they're on social media. But a fairly high number actually want government to step in, like I'd mentioned. Well, we're trying, we're doing our best, but at the end of the day, parents have to be parents. And and what's so hard about this is you don't want your kid to be the one left out, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a few tips that we've talked about. One, one of my favorites is get together with your other kids' friends' parents and decide on kind of a culture for that that friend group. So establish shared norms and practices. And this is something else that the Surgeon General recommended. So, you know, kids don't want to feel like they're the only ones who can't have social media. So if their friends have the same rules in place, it makes it a little bit easier. If parents are like, you know what, we're going to decide that texting is better for our kids to get a hold of each other. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to allow Snapchat. We're not going to allow Instagram. We're not going to allow these apps that um, expose to kids to inappropriate content and create this addictive nature of scrolling forevermore. And so... Um, if, so parents, if you can get together with your kids' friends' parents and decide, like, we're going to all do this, we're in it together, kind that of all be makes on the same it page. so much easier. Delaying your kids getting social media. I mean, 13 is kind of the age that federally they've set up for, um, for so kids to have social media. But the Surgeon General even says 13 is too young. Too he says, young, wait yeah. till 16, 17, 18, depending on how mature your kids are. But, like... I don't think a parent should, I mean, don't even consider having your kids have social media before they're 16 because the Surgeon General has said that, that that's 13 is too young. So, and then we've got parents who have give, given, are giving it to their kids at 10 and 11 mm-hmm. and the content they're exposed to that is just not appropriate for kids. Mm-hmm. It's too much and their, their brains aren't ready for it. So um, the other thing that 
our governor says is reconsider allowing your kids to have social media. He has a 17-year-old daughter, and he, they don't allow her to have social media yet. So um, it's okay to be brave, and it's okay to stand alone and um, find other ways for your kids to connect. And then modeling social media behavior is another huge one. I mean, we're terrible as adults at being on our phones all the time, aren't it's we? It's so true. It's a, it's we a constant do thing of mine that I work on. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have the same problem. I mean, I, I think it's fair to admit that we have problems with social media and looking at what everybody else is doing and Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, an, I'm a grown adult and I'll sometimes, you know, be scrolling and thinking, oh, they're doing this. Should I be doing that? Or yeah. they're, you know, they're off on vacation. Why am I not? I mean, and yes. I am a grown, mature adult. I can only imagine what this does to a young brain. Right. Well, and things like filters, you know, where you can change your face and mm-hmm. I, th- these poor young teenage girls, I mean, they're especially hit hard on the mental health piece because of that comparison. It's, it's really, really hard on young girls. So um, anyway, there, there's some other tips that we've talked about too. creating a family media plan. Decide when you're going to have social media, um, what you're going to do, how, how you're going to use phones in your home, and agree on expectations. Decide ahead of time what those rules are going to be. So create a, a plan kind of ahead yeah. of time yeah. before it arises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, uh, another one is creating tech-free zones and encourage your children to foster in-person friendships. So restricting phone use before bed, keeping mealtimes device-free, or make unplugged interactions a priority. So disconnect to reconnect is what we like to say, so that we recognize that if we have our phones put away, you know, the whole family, even if you're watching a movie together or out gardening or whatever. It's so different. Say, we're going to put our phones, uh, we're all going to put our phones on the counter and have phone-free time. And that connection is, human connection is one of the biggest factors for social media issues as well, or uh, mental health issues as well. Sure. So having human relationships and connections, we've got to do a better job of being more focused on that too. And having dinner together. Yes, <laughs> having my dinner parents, together. That was always important to my parents growing up. And it was like, you know, we didn't have the phones, of course, but um, I, seen, I see why, you know, you're you're together and you're talking and you're, yeah. you know, building those relationships. And that was really important to them. So unplugging, that's a really good tip. Unplugging, having those moments. Because you know, if you're all watching a movie, everybody's on their phones. It's just different than when everybody's phones are put away and you're all really enjoying that movie together. Right. It's just different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and on having dinner together, by the way, that still is a protective factor um, even today. I mean, if you talk to our epidemiologists in the Department of Health, they'll tell you, Having dinner together, even a few times a week, is huge for helping kids feel connection with their families, which is really important. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you talked about, um, we talked about modeling responsible social media behavior with ourselves. That's so important. Teaching kids about technology and empowering them to be responsible online participants at the appropriate age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, uh, Gab Wireless is doing some great things with that as far as educating kids. They're developing some curriculum for those younger grades even that they're willing to share for free. So there's some good things happening there. We've got to get ahead of this so that kids understand what's happening to them when they are on social media because we need buy-in from them. But I'll tell you, um, as I've talked to parents about what are some things that you've done to help give your kids still that social, the ability to be social with friends Mm -hmm. on social media, but not have it consume their life. Um, I had a neighbor who they had an iPad that was their parent, the parent's iPad, and they would let her look at her Instagram account 
on that iPad. So they give it, they say, you have 30 minutes, you know, here you go. And she'd post her dance pictures and, you know, still get to kind of feel like she was part of that community, but it wasn't on her device. That's when you have it on their device and it's constant, then it's really hard to give that up and easy to get addicted and get sucked in by those algorithms. Um, But when you have it on a parent's device, then you can set better time boundaries and they don't feel quite that same pull and connection as they do when it's on their own phone. So that's an idea too for parents who are looking to kind of wean off of this or do something different because they've maybe given in at too young of an age yeah. on social media. That's so. a great tip. So they don't have their own, but they still have access to and feel part of their friend group or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a- ultimately we'd still say, don't, don't give it to them at all. If you haven't yet, I'm glad you have a six-year-old. So you, you know better now and, and can make those decisions accordingly. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Um, you talked about, or we, we haven't gotten to this one yet. I don't think report cyberbullying and online abuse and exploitation. That's under the U S surgeon general yep. suggestions. Absolutely. That's a whole nother level to it. Yeah. And we do have a place where parents can report harms that their children have experienced through social media. Um, it's socialmedia.utah.gov. That goes to the Department of Commerce, and there's a place there you can report. Our campaign that has materials like, um, we've got some really cool TV ads. I don't know if you've seen them where uh, you have a child wearing a mask. Yes, they yes, it and, stands out to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it, they look happy. They're scrolling on their phone, and then um, the parent tears off the mask, and here's this child just crying and so sad and just hurt as they're reading the comments that they're that people are putting out on about them on social media um and so anyway we've got that on our socialharms.utah.gov website we also have this is a really cool thing if you have like a school group or a church group or a parent group or other people that you want to have a discussion about social media with we have a PowerPoint presentation that you can download. Oh. It's got all the data, it's got all the stats, and it has even notes on like discussion time, you know, times where you can have discussions. And it shows the videos and it's really good. If so, parents are needing tools, yes, there's a great one. If you need a tool and you want to, you know, get together with a group of parents or you already have some sort of a group that you could maybe present something like this in, we would love for you to go on the socialharms.utah.gov website and download this PowerPoint. It's free. It's great. It's beautiful PowerPoint. And you can use that as you have these kind of discussions with your family or other groups. That is so cool. People can have access to that. Um Another one that U.S. Surgeon General suggests is working with other parents to help establish shared norms and practices Mm -hmm. and to support programs and policies around healthy social media use. So there's a tool that we just talked about that you have. And I think that I think that one is such a big one to me, because if you're in a friend group and you feel like you're the only one that doesn't have access to this, it feels, you know, you feel left out. I I can understand how that would feel. And so if you have kind of everyone on the same page, you can get together with your um, your child's friends, parents, that makes a lot of sense. To it me. does. Absolutely. That's a good one. Okay. Is there anything else that we missed that you want to add in Amy? You know, not that I can think of. I, I guess my last thing would just be a plea to our parents. Please be brave, be bold, be willing to have boundaries for your kids. And, and if you can not have them on social media, that's far better for them. 
Um, but look at some of these ways that you can maybe wean them off or uh, take control of what's going on. You're the parent, you get to be in charge. So uh, we just want to we're so grateful for our courageous parents out there who are doing their best. And I know it's hard. It I, does I totally get it. Yeah. It is hard. If, uh, if there's a parent listening right now thinking, you know what, all of this is very overwhelming, but I know I need to do something. Is there a first step that you would suggest on taking to help them? You know, the first thing I would do is go to the website and get familiar with the data and some of the tools there. So that's the socialharms.utah.gov. Um, that would be the first step. The second step is talk to your your family members and, and have frank conversations. Be willing to, you know, don't shame your kids if, if they admit to you that they've run across inappropriate material, but rather be somebody that they feel safe talking to mm-hmm. and help them understand, hey, here's what this is doing and this is what scares me and, and I, I'm worried, like, what can we do? And have those initial conversations with the kids. I think that that's a good way to do it prevention ahead of time. That is so smart. Okay. One more time. Best website to go to Amy. I know you had a couple, but let's say them one more time for yeah, people if so they didn't have a chance to hear. Socialharms.utah.gov is the website you can go to for all the campaign material and everything. And that will also have a link to report um, social media infractions that have harmed your kids too. Oh, okay. So, that's well, where it, we can that's go. That's probably the easiest to just go to that one. Okay. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. And we are here to protect our kids. They are our number one priority. And you're helping us do this with this campaign. Thank you for all the tips. You are wonderful. Let's protect our kids. Thank you. Appreciate you. And thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week. Congrats, you made it to the end. If you want to continue to freshen up your day, you can watch us on Fresh Living every weekday on CBS Channel 2 in Utah at 1 o'clock. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, KUTV Fresh Living, and follow us on social media. We will see you next week.